Welcome back, guys. Thank yeah. you so much for joining us again. We've got Tank on the microphone yeah, with us. Tank the Pug. We've got Tank the Pug with us. So if you're watching on Spotify or YouTube, you can see my beautiful Puggy. Say hi. Look at his look at his roll. Let's just like <laughs> for, let the record show his roll on his nose. Hi, Baba. Okay, I'll put you down. I'm obsessed with this dog, even though I think he's like a demon pug. Um, that was a great episode. That was, yeah, it was really uh, good. Yeah, that was awesome. So Nate and I just interviewed Cody Krutz, and he's a speaker and a recovery content creator. Definitely follow him on TikTok. He tells the stories on TikTok. And where I didn't think that was going to go was, so I know he's in recovery, obviously, mm -hmm. but it went in a different direction where we were talking about like his spiritual life and manifestation and connecting as someone that was a former atheist and then finding a way to navigate the steps without a God concept. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I you know, it's crazy how that happens. I mean, I get it because especially, you know, if you're a tradition, if you go the, you know, the traditional 12 step route or if it's like. The big book specifically, it mentions God like a hundred times in the first right. like 164 pages. And that like trips people out because a, totally. a lot of people come in and have like religious trauma, yeah. which is completely understandable. But the fact that he somehow, some way became open to that and, and, and just a lot of us in general is like, it's crazy. Well, I think what he did, and you guys are going to hear us talk about this in the episode. I'm sure you guys remember we had Dr. Peg on a little while ago. I think it was one of Nate's favorite guests that we've ever had. No, she was good. And yeah. she was talking about ways that you can come up with like a higher power that works for you. And he was talking about like the vision of, of his higher self, like, like him not stealing, him having a job. And mm -hmm. that version became like his higher power. And I think that that's absolutely something that you can do, you know? Yeah, I think, well, yeah, I think he, he just knew that he could be that person. And, right. and it's kind of probably like what guided him and mm -hmm. motivated him. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? If that yeah. makes sense. No, that totally does. So, and how are you lately? Yeah, I'm good. I was yeah. telling Nate earlier, he looks so healthy. If you guys can see him on oh, YouTube or Spotify, he looks so healthy. He's been hiking. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm good. We just, I mean, I just did it. I just, I've been in L doing some stuff in LA and Hollywood. I mean, so I just did a, a, a thing with a, he still produces music and stuff like that, but oh, right. they, they have a tattoo shop and, uh, and upstairs the studio. So they like wanted Narcan for people getting tattoos of the artists that come through that record. And then we did an event in Silver Lake last night. And then okay. I, I did the, the Graf and Ganja show in Oceanside last night. So we had two events last night. So you went from Oceanside to Silver no, Lake no, and back? No, Lauren, my assistant did, Lauren and G did Silver Lake. Okay, and, then, and then I did the Oceanside Ganja and Graf. Cause back. Silver Lake is deep LA. Yeah, it's up there. You're yeah. three hours out. You know what I mean? Yeah, give or take, yeah. Well, with me driving three hours, with you driving an hour. No, no, I don't drive, no, no, no. I don't you drive. don't drive fast? I, I I mean, I'll do like 80, 80. I've never ridden, in, we've yeah. never ridden in the same yeah, yeah, car together. I'll do like 80, 85. Have we ever gone anywhere in a car? We haven't. No, no, I'll do like 80, 85, okay. you know, but that's, that's about it. I yeah. drive like an old lady, yeah. it's in sobriety. I'm like, I'm like the slow person. Like I'm so careful when I drive. Yeah, on the, my well, license has also been expired for three fucking years. So on the free, on the free, on the freeway, over. I'll do 80, 85, like, here, like locally, I, I drive like I still have drugs. Sometimes I well, sometimes do I do have drugs in my car, to be honest. So I still like totally. Yeah, so I'm like I play it safe. Right. Yeah. Right. So, but yeah, but if I don't have drugs in my, I, yeah, either way, I still drive like I'm holding. Sometimes I am holding. Right. Yeah, I, yeah, like, yeah. I don't want to deal with that. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, know, I don't want to deal with it either. Yeah. I don't want to get pulled over. Yeah. No so I, yeah, I don't want any interaction with cops. But yeah, so we did that. That that's going on, and I mean, yeah, I'm okay. I mean, like. I don't know, I'm just fucking going through life right now. You know what I mean? You're getting better. I guess. You are. I don't know. You are. You are. 
don't know. Just, You're very energetic today. And... It's probably because I'm yacked on pre-workout. Are you? Yeah. Oh, you were taking a pre-workout break. I'm glad you're not anymore. No, yeah. Welcome back to the pre-workout club. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, club. I, no, the, I would never take a break from pre-workout. Oh, well, well, I took like a year tolerance break from it. Not probably longer. Longer. Yeah, because I was on pretty gnarly. You were on some gnarly yeah. pre-workout. I did try Nate's pre-workout, yeah. and I thought, and I, I used some really intense shit. Yeah. And when I tried his, in bar, I like, fell to my knees for a second <laughs> and was like, there were witnesses. And I was like, <clears throat> you know, and kept yeah, going and yeah. I was all right. I actually, it's still sitting on the counter. I just never used it again. Yeah. It's, Skylar's afraid of it. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty, yeah. Like it's, when he goes out of town, I'm like, take this shit. Don't take mine. If he's like bagging it. Yeah. And he's like, I'm not taking that shit. I almost killed you. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. No, it, no, it's definitely, definitely some, it's questionable. The edge of insanity. Yeah. I probably shouldn't even reckon. The edge of insanity is yeah. what that one was. Yeah. It's uh, so yeah, no, I, so I started pre-workout again. I took, okay. I bought some the other day and they were like, oh, they got me. Cause it was like, I hadn't ate a lot that day. I haven't been eating a lot really lately. And I like just took it with, a, I took half a scoop and was trying to be, mo you know, like moderate. Oh, it got me. Damn. Yeah, it got, it, got, it got me. I got got. I was so, I, I like worked out for 45 minutes. I was like, I'm going to go home. So, okay, this is the story. So, and I haven't been got like this and I took, you know what I mean? So I was like shaking and like, I was like, you know, I told you like my, where I've been working out so much. Like I have like no ATP in my yeah. muscles. So I'm like working out I'm like shaking and it like freaked me out. So I was so anxious and I went home, turned on the cold water in the shower, made a turkey sandwich and a protein shake. I didn't even close the door to the shower. <laughs> I'm sitting in the shower with cold water on my back, eating a turkey sandwich and drinking a protein shake, <laughs> trying to fucking, because I'm so yacked and I want to come down off of it. That's so funny. Yeah, I was fucked. I was just- It gets me like that sometimes too, Yeah, I was too, dude, jarred. Where I'm like, this is methy. Yeah, oh, it was very- I'm, I'm having very, a Very messing around. <laughs> Yeah, it was yeah, and I was like, I was like, if my roommate comes, if anybody comes home, like this is gonna be very sus. Like, That's so funny. Naked in the shower, drinking a protein shake, eating With a turkey sandwich. Yeah, I was. was That's yeah. so funny. I was yak the rest of the day. Yeah, but I'll take it. I love the pre workout high. Oh yeah, no, yeah, and just the endorphins. The and endorphins, all that. Yeah. yeah, love it, love it. So yeah, so no, no, no more tea break. Okay, no. good. I'm glad you're back with us. Yeah, yeah, I was. Yeah. Fun. Okay, guys. So we're going to do a Nod Pod shout out of the week. This is from TikTok. Hey, Janine. I found your podcast on Spotify because we come up now. Yeah. I found your podcast on Spotify and just wanted to let you know how much I enjoy your shows so much. I listen all the time while I'm at work now. I have 75 days clean from meth and other stimulants starting a program and I take so much from your shows and it makes me think and reflect so much on my own life. I appreciate you. Thank you. Well, that's awesome. Isn't well, that cool? Yeah. So this is Ashley on TikTok. Yeah, Ashley, thank you, Ashley. Yeah, Ashley, thank yeah. you so much. Congratulations. I don't know how much time, 75 plus days. 75 plus yeah. days yeah. now. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Congratulations. Thank you for the kind words. Yeah. yeah that's awesome. They keep me going. Y'all yeah. oh, keep yeah. the reviews coming. Yeah. Yeah, no, that, no, when people send me messages like that, I'm like, oh, okay. It just, like, it just like reminds me. Reminds know? me, totally, yeah. yeah so. so that's awesome. All right, guys, well, thank you so much. Yeah, oh, and you. remember, you can leave us a voicemail too. There's a way to leave a voicemail on, you can leave us a voice message now. Where? If you go to like our show notes, yeah. it says leave us a voice message and there's a link. You do have to set up a little account and just so you guys don't get freaked out, it looks like you're setting up your own podcast. You're not, it's just through Anchor, but you can leave us a voice message. Oh, that's crazy. I know, isn't that cool? Yeah, so just say like, hi, share a story. Cause remember somebody was gonna share an NDPE. Mm oh yeah. I haven't heard from that guy yet. So listen, if you're listening, Give me your NDPE, man. I want it. Yeah. We'll blind react on the show. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. That would be great. Yeah, I yeah, know, yeah. That would right? be funny. Yeah, I know, yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. That's smart. Um, and then also, too, guys, remember TikTok. I know you can't pull it up right now when you're looking for Chasing Heroin. So go to my Instagram, and then I'm figuring out how I work around around that. So, anyways, thank you guys so much. Yeah. And we'll see you next week. Yeah, thank you. All right. Welcome back, NodPod. Thank you guys so much for joining us for another episode of Chasing Heroin. Tanky just like came to attention. Are you NodPod, Tanky? Are you NodPod? You're not NodPod. Anyways, welcome back. My name's Janine. I'm an addict in recovery. Hey, guys. Nakanae. Welcome back. I'm a person in recovery. You are a person in recovery. Yeah. We say it different every time. Yeah, I, I, I trip on it. I'm like, oh, I trip I, on I, it too. I, I, I like my brain space. I'm like, oh. Also, I realize I haven't been saying my sobriety date for the past like month. It didn't change though, you guys. I yeah. just keep forgetting. Yeah, mine's still the same. Right. Surprisingly, so, but you know, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm super excited today. We have Cody. He's a recovery content creator and a public speaker. How are you doing, Cody? I'm so well. So excited to be here. Really excited to share some time and hopefully be able to give back a little bit. So I'm very grateful to be here. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you so much for your time. So you reached out to us. I briefly scanned your website, but I kind of wait to see. I, I also like to just learn things as we go. So like I started watching some of your TikToks and which are great, by the way. But then I was like, you know what? I don't want any more of the story. <laughs> right. so I watched a few. I like liked a few. And then I was like, you know what? I'm out. Let's just I just want to hear it organically. So let's Hear it organically. Where are you from and how did you get started using? So I'm originally from Northern California, born and raised in Palo Alto, California. I was raised in a very kind of stable home. I have parents that are still together to this day, 57 years. But I grew up feeling very uncomfortable in my own skin. I felt very out of place. And even though I, had, I have a big family too, two brothers and two sisters, I'm the youngest of five. And I was loved. I was loved a lot, but I always felt that I needed to do things to earn love. And so I had that all growing up. I remember, you know, all through elementary school, junior high, I felt very just uncomfortable with who I was. You know, I'd, I was very skinny. I didn't like my freckles. I thought my nose was too big. And so I, I felt awkward around people. And it wasn't always I could kind of fake it till I make it. But it, when I was younger, it was never a question of if I was going to do drugs. It was a question of when. I remember from young age being so excited about the opportunity to smoke a cigarette, about the opportunity to have a beer. And I was raised Mormon, like really Mormon. So it was kind of a trip how I did that, but it's just from how I can remember. And you know, I can't really remember my first drink or you know when, when that happened, but I just remember that alcohol turned me into the person that I always wanted to be. It made me feel confident. It made people like me. It made me even, you know, it made me feel funny, like comedic wise around people. And so very early on, 14, 15, 16 years old, I started depending on alcohol in social situations. I was always the one trying to see if we could score alcohol some way, if there's some way that we could do that. And so at a young age, I started depending on alcohol everywhere I went. And I started being known as like the funny guy because I was a really happy drinker. I wasn't, I wasn't a negative person. I had a lot of fun on it. And, you know, fast forward a few years, I, I got out of high school and I didn't really have any plans. I just wanted to drink. I just wanted to party. And, you know, alcohol started taking over my life more and more and more. And I moved to Portland, Oregon when I was 24, tried to get my shit together. And in Portland. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. My sister lived, my sister lived there and she, you know, she's in law school. So I was, you know, I'll get this good, you know, influence. Right, on me. Totally, and totally. I, yeah. And I got my shit together for like two years. I, I, I started okay. going to college. I got to community college. I was getting A's. I transferred to Portland state, but you know, I was still having fun and doing that type of stuff. And then drinking started taking over my life more and more and more. 
And, you know, I was doing like starting to interfere with my school. I kind of dropped out a little bit. And, you know, there's one morning I woke up and I, wa- I wanted to do hair of the dog, but I didn't want beer and wine. And it, I decided I had this bright idea. Like, why don't I drink some fucking alcohol? I mean, some vodka. I was like, oh, this is genius. I'll get drunk quicker. Went to the store, got home, got drunk. It was the first time I went on an actual bender and I was drunk for weeks. And that's when it really started taking over. And, you know, drinking impacted my relationship. I was in a relationship at this time. And, you know, we ended up moving back to San Diego because my ex was, she got like, uh, let go from her job. And when we moved back to San Diego, my drinking really took off and I was really drinking 24 seven. I was barely sleeping. I'd put on almost 30 pounds. I was just a mess. My story ending with drinking wasn't anything too crazy, except sitting in a car crying, just realizing I can't do this anymore. I hit just this spiritual, emotional, physical bottom. But the thing is, I didn't do anything about it. I didn't have anything to fix it. I just was like, I'm going to stop drinking. I went to a couple smart recovery meetings. I went to a therapist a couple times, but I'm like, I'm good. Well, the person that I was with at the time, is she's my ex-wife. She got really sick. She had a stroke. And when she had a stroke, it was really serious. And I was you know, trying to get off drinking completely and help her, but she got prescribed pain medication. And I went over and I saw her pain medication. I was like, I'm just going to take, I take them a hundred times before. I'm not even kidding. But alcohol was my first love. So I'm like, oh, I'll just take, I'll take this pill. No big deal. Like no joke. When I took the pill that time, 20 minutes later, it felt like the skies had parted. I mean, it was the answer to all of my problems. It gave me energy. I didn't smell like alcohol. And I was, I was hooked that, like that moment. I needed more. And, you know, it, within a year's time, I'm doctor shopping. I'm trying to break into pharmacies. I'm stealing prices, family heirlooms, not only from my ex-wife, but from her family. I'm breaking into their home. I'm breaking into my parents' home. I mean, it turned me into a shell of the person that I was before. I mean, it was, it's insane how quickly my life deteriorated when I started getting, it was, I was spending thousands of dollars. I had this weird line that I had set up where I wasn't going to do heroin because I knew people who had done heroin at a young age and it scared me. So I always had this thing where like, oh, I'm fine if I'm just taking pain pills, but I'm spending thousands of dollars per month. I had a job, thought I could be the one who could, you know, do it. Other people can't, but I can, but it all came to a head. Right. And, and basically I, I tried to unalive myself and that kind of gets into the unalive. I'm acting like I'm on TikTok right now. I tried to, I tried okay. to, yeah. I was actually just going to say that, you know, what's so funny though. You are, we've had a bunch of guests on people often say unalive yeah. on in the podcast too, because TikTok lingo has like expanded, you know totally. what I mean? And so that like, I didn't even think for, I didn't even think twice about the fact that you were saying unalive for those of you that listen, that are not on TikTok, you're not allowed to say suicide or kill myself on TikTok. So everybody has to say unalive, yep. which is why he just said that. That's yeah. so funny. I, almost yeah, didn't I was like, talk. I don't need to say that right now. Because I say it too. Yeah. You say it too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It too. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, that's kind of my story. I, I, I'll go into more detail about the, the part where I, tr- I tried to commit suicide, but yeah, I mean, it was, it was a progression. And I felt like I always kind of had that itch ever since I was little. Right. So when you transitioned, did you ever end up doing heroin or did you just stay? I was days away, days away, but I never did it. I never did it. Okay. But doctor shopping at that time would have been like really difficult, right? When were you doctor shopping? What year was that? End of 2011, beginning in 2012. Okay. Okay, so, so you my could recover- still kind of doctor shop yeah, at that time. Yeah, yeah. And you know what's crazy too is I literally, okay, I was 33 years old. I didn't know anyone who got pills. I didn't know how to get pills. I thought, this is how naive I was. I thought I invented doctor shopping. I thought I came up with the <laughs> idea myself because I went to the dentist and got pain pills. I'm like, 
oh my gosh, I could just go from dentist to dentist. And I didn't even realize totally. until like, like three months later that it was like, you know, hugely against the law. I was just wild. I just thought I came up with it. <laughs> you know, what's so interesting. I thought of this the other day, but I'm sure I did not invent it. My dog just got neutered. They gave him trazodone. Oh yeah. They gave me trazodone for oh. him. And I was like, wait a minute, you could doctor shop through your pet. Yeah. I wonder if people do that. They give pets like benzos and shit like that. Sometimes. I wonder if people doctor shop through their animals. I would I mean, not be surprised. If yeah. I was really trying to get my yeah. issue, I would do not get any ideas. Yeah. Not yeah, exactly. well, I, mean, I, I don't know if I, if I shared this in my story, but so when I, so I don't know if you know this, but I'm from Tennessee. And so with doctor shopping, it was really in Florida, you know, that's where like the, right. mill, yeah. the, the pill, pill mills. Right? Yep. Yeah. And so that's what I got started on was like the, the oxys and you know, the in block, the real in blocks. And so I couldn't go because I was so young. Cause you had to be like 25, 26 and you had to have, you know, some places you had to have an MRI, some places you didn't. But my idea was, I was like, okay, I'm going to, because I like did labor. So I was like, I'm going to gradually hurt my back over time. <laughs> and I did. I threw my back out like four times. I did not yeah. know that. And I was like, so then when I get of age, I can doctor shop. You'll be ready. You'll be primed and ready. <laughs> this will be, all will be great. I don't have to deal with these, these assholes who are charging all this money for these pills. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then I'll be the guy, right. you, you know, and, right. and then they, the PDMP came out and you couldn't doctor shop and, but I had a fucked up back. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, plan, plan went awry. Like, that, that was my plan. I don't think I knew that yeah. part. That's yeah. So, so I funny. literally intentionally hurt my back. Oh, Nate. Yeah. So I could like go when I turned Oh like my God. That's hilarious. Yeah, that that's was so funny. And I thought I was like, this is it. This right. is like, this is it. I thought I was so damn smart. Genius, right? I mean, we always I mean, think we're genius, right? It's okay. Wild. But like. I will, I submit though, that the dopamine opiate, uh, like, uh, hustles that we come up with are genius. Oh, They're yeah. pretty smart. Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. Like, <laughs> there is nothing smarter or craftier than a, than a dope sick addict and That's what true. we can come up with. Do you know what I mean? Like, but at the same time, it's kind of funny. Like once I got, it's like universally we were all doing the same hustle though. And I realized that kind of when I got onto TikTok, I saw like, Oh, I wasn't the only person stealing things from Home Depot and returning them. Everyone was stealing things from Home Depot and returning them. Mm. And I'm like, how did we all share <laughs> no, like right. a consciousness across the country and be yeah. like, Home Depot, that's the place to rob or Walmart. Do you know what I mean? It's like it was like a cosmic like, energy that just went to all of the addicts. <laughs> stealing right? copper. Yeah. Stealing <laughs> copper. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Like, how did this all it's like there, there's like a, like a dope fiend consciousness network or something <laughs> yeah. where we're all like connecting on this like awful subconscious plane. And, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it's interesting to me too, that you said that you like were looking forward, you were in this, you were from this great family, but you were looking forward to like smoking a cigarette. I was like that too. I was also from a great family and I couldn't wait to like smoke cigarettes. I know I've said this to Nate before on the show. I wanted to be, I saw the movie casino. I don't remember how old I was. And I wanted to be like Ginger from Casino. Mm, oh, yeah. She fucking dies in a motel hallway. Yeah, staggering and like, down the hallway. Yeah. Staggering down the hallway. <laughs> and I'm in that fur coat. And I'm like, she is fabulous. I cannot wait to do coke <laughs> to do that. in a shitty motel in Las Vegas. This looks attractive to me. Yeah. With bed bugs and shit. Yeah. But like, but I think that it that's interesting to me because I feel like you know, you'll hear people say like the addiction starts before you pick up drugs. I personally believe that like chemically I'm predisposed to that behavior. I just, it's something I, I wanted. I don't know. What do you think of, about that? 
so for me, that is, that's my story, right? I feel like I had an inclination. Now I do, you know, the side, the other side that talks about how it's trauma related and that type of stuff. I see a lot of validity in that. And I can understand that because I know how my insecurities played into my addiction as well. But I do from, I mean, it was, it's like you talked about, like, I remember just walking around, they had, they used to have those bubble gums that were shaped like cigarettes that would blow out flour. I mean, I had my yeah. parents get me those because I was just, I was so intrigued by all of it. Nothing about it looked bad to me. Like you said, like I, if I'd saw that movie too, I'd been like, Oh damn, she's living that life. You know what I mean? Like it, it's, it's so, so I kind of see both sides. I know for my story, I relate a lot to that. I just kind of had a predisposition to it or a really big curiosity for it from the time I can remember. Right. So what does it look like until, because now you have, I think I saw on your TikTok, you have six years, right? I'll have 10 years in October. Oh, shit. Yeah. I just shorted you four. No, Damn. no, no okay. worries. No That's worries. Awesome. October 1st, 2013 is my is my date. Okay. So how do we get there? What does it look like up until October 1st, 2013? What do those days look like for you? What does your last use look like for you? My last use was terrible. So I already touched base a little bit about, you know, how my life went to shit from, from my pain pills, how quickly it went. So in, in that year's time, I've, I screwed over everyone I loved. I stole from everyone. And in, inside, I, the depths of self-hatred that I had was crazy. I was not the person who I knew I could be. And I was so far away from it that as every kind of thing would stop, I mean, as every terrible thing would happen and I would try to stop, but then I'd keep doing it. The only thing that made me feel better is that I could just kill myself because every time I'd be like, oh, you fucking failed again. Well, you don't deserve to live anyways. So you should, you could just kill it. Like that's your out. And so what ended up happening is I separated from my now ex-wife. We were going through a divorce and, but she needed a ride to the airport and I'm trying my best to be the, you know, this new person, but I'm not open to what really needs to happen. I'm not open for treatment. I'm not open for any of the anonymous programs. I'm not open for any of that. But at that time I felt like I was really fucking trying. Like I was really trying. And so we still talk and we're still communicating. She needs a ride to the airport. So I'd say, I'll do it. I, I can, I can show her I'm, I'm getting better. I'm going to prove to her. I'm going to take her to the airport, drive up to the house. It's, it's where we used to live. I, I got, I moved out of the house, moved in with my parents and it's about maybe five 30 in the morning, still dark outside. And I walk up to the door and I hear the shower on and all the work I've been trying to put in. The second I heard that shower, my first thought was she's in the shower. I can still steal pill, pills from her. I can sneak into the house and still and steal pills. I don't know why steal is so hard for me to say. So I open up the door. I go inside, look at the kitchen table. Her purse is there. And I know that's where she keeps her pills. I walk over there and I'm going through her purse. And next thing I know, I see someone come out of the corner of my eye and it's my ex-wife. She has not gotten in the shower. She's just been in the bathroom. She comes out and she catches me going through her purse. And I see her and the look she gives me, I just decided on that moment, I'm going to kill myself. Like I cannot stop hurting people. I look at me. I'm fucking supposed to take, do one nice thing for her without fucking it up. And I'm going through her purse and she just caught me. I'm like, I'm done. I'm done. So I start crying, apologizing, telling her all these things. And she's like, I need to find a different ride or something about the airport. I'm like, no, let me just take you to the airport. Let me just, let me just take you there. Driving to the airport. I've already checked out. I'm already done. And so we drop her off. She asks if I'm okay. She can tell something's going on because I'm a mess. Drop her off. I decide I'm just going to grab a bunch of liquor and I'm going to drink myself to death. I'm just going to go to our place, our house, where nobody knows I am, and I'm just going to drink myself to death. I get home. I start drinking. It's not really, it's not working. 
I'm I'm sitting there. I'm basically crying. I'm I'm a mess. I'm doing all the texts to people. I'm sending my work email saying I don't know when I'm going to be able to come back in. People are responding to me. You know, asking like, "Are you okay? This is weird." I'm doing all the you know the not stereotypical, but all the the hallmarks of trying to kill myself. Well, the drinking's not working. So I don't want to go into too much detail what I try to do next, but I come up with another idea and I go to sleep. I'm cry- I'm laying in my in the bed that I used to lay in and I'm crying and I'm just literally praying to something. I don't even believe in God. I'm an atheist. I don't wake up in the morning. I don't want to wake up in the morning. I think this plan's going to work. Don't wake up in the morning. It's, it's, this is over. All the hurt is going away. Well, I wake up the next morning and I couldn't believe that I was still alive. I was devastated. It was the most soul-crushing moment to wake up that morning, to realize that the thing I hoped would finally end was still going to continue. And I decided I was going to try again. That didn't work. Let's try again. But so I, I went to the store, got some more liquor, but I just, I was, I was done. I don't know something. I was just too exhausted. I was just too, I just, that was my bottom. You know, I just, I couldn't, I couldn't even kill myself. Like, this is just like, I'm exhausted with life, but I don't know what to do. This happened in Encinitas and my parents live in Cardiff. I drove to my parents' house in Cardiff and they had been looking for me. They were wondering where I was. And it became kind of this argument. And I basically told them, I I just tried to kill myself. I just tried to kill myself. And I ran up into my parents' spare room. I just laid in that bed and I started crying. My mom came up into the bed with me, laid next to me and just held me. And then I cried literally myself to sleep like a baby. And the next morning was Sunday and I had a, I had a therapist who I just randomly started seeing and she ended up being an addiction specialist. And I don't even know how that ended up lining up, but I only saw her twice and I called her. I was so desperate. My parent, I don't know who came up that idea. I called her. I said, listen, I just tried to kill myself two days ago. I'm not well. I need to get help. And she said, Cody, hang tight. Let me figure this out for you. She calls me back. I don't know, hour or two later. And she's like, listen, I got a bed for you at a psychiatric ward. Are you willing to go? If you'd asked me three days before, I thought the craziest idea, but I said, I'll do anything. I don't know. I don't know what else to do. I'll do anything. And I drive to the psych ward. I get in there. They take my belt, my shoelaces. I do the intake, all that type of stuff. And I just cried for three days straight. I mean, I would have definitely tried to hurt myself again. No doubt. Thank God I was in that safe environment. But on the fourth day, I started feeling like a shift, like something different. Like I was 33 years old. I was living at my parents' house. I was going through a divorce. I was about to lose my job because I basically didn't show up for work. And I was a manager at a restaurant. I'd been written. I was hanging on by a thread, right? But for the first time in my adult life, I was like, maybe I'm doing something right. Like maybe, like all that shit didn't scare me. It was like, maybe I can get better. So I was there for seven days. And during that time, they weaned me off benzos. That was the main drug that I was on because I was actually abusing those towards the end. That after that seventh day, I checked into an inpatient program. Day one, October 1st, 2013, I felt like I was, I had never felt so shitty in my life. I mean, it was the first time I hadn't been on any drugs in like 10, you know, 11 years or however much time. And I was floating, right? I didn't understand what the hell was happening. On the fourth day there, I started coming out of it again. And I started being like, wait, maybe I can do this. Like maybe, and I literally started having like these, not like visions, like I'm seeing it, but connecting to this higher version of myself, this person who does not use drugs, this person who does not hurt people, this person who is contributing to society. And instead of it feeling so foreign, it's like, I felt it. Like I was like, and that like had this drastic change. And I was, we had, they had the parents meet you. It was like on a Thursday night. I was sitting around a table with my parents. I was reading a bunch of literature about, you know, addiction. And I had like a spiritual awakening at the time. I just, you know, I, I, I wasn't spiritual. So I just contributed to it finally clicking. And I just said, if I 
follow some type of program of recovery for the rest of my life. And I follow it by, you know, if I keep it, I can do this. And just days prior, I thought it was impossible. I would never get better, but something cracked, something broke down where I was just like, oh my God, I could do it. And I had this deeply, deeply spiritual moment with both my parents sitting there. So it was an incredible moment to share with them, to really have it. And that, and like, I, I didn't necessarily know if that was the breakthrough then because I doubted myself so much. I didn't know if I would ever follow through with anything. I'd never done anything without drugs. But as I look back on it, that was the moment when everything changed. And so I stayed in that inpatient for 21 days. I went all fucking in. I mean, I didn't leave anything on the table. I went to every meeting. I asked every question I had. I shared every fucking dark secret I had with the counselors. I mean, I did not ever, ever want to feel the way that I felt crying in that bed that night trying to kill myself. I never wanted to go back there. And now that I saw the possibility of it not having to do that again, I was not going to let it go. And, you know, I, I so I went all in. I was there for 21 days. I miss it. I had such a good time in my impatient dude. Like I go back there and speak sometimes and it's like, I, it's like home for me. You know, I utilized those tools and everything they gave me and it turned into such a positive experience that I miss the vibe. I miss the counselors. I miss all of it. And after that was done, I checked into a sober living that I lived in for 13 months. And, you know, one of the biggest blessings, I mean, besides surviving is about three or four months into my recovery, I met my wife, my now wife. And we were both early in recovery. I met her when I was doing IOP at the, you know, the extended IOP at the place I was at. She was doing it too. I fell in love with her the moment I saw her. I knew something, I, 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 not even joking, like something told me we were meant to be together. About a, 40 days later, after finally getting her number from somebody, because I, I left the IOP while she was still there, I was too scared to ask her for her number. We went on our first date. We've been together ever since. Oh my God. That's that crazy. And not only that though, she got pregnant about with us i had i think six months of recovery oh, and she God. had four so not only and neither of us had i had just gotten a job i was i got this entry-level position at a hotel as being a, a front desk agent she was working at david's i mean we, she was living at home i was living in a sober living like we didn't have shit oh my god <laughs> and so but yeah now i mean we've been married now uh for six years we've been together for nine and a half we have three beautiful children I mean, that moment of laying in that bed, I wish it didn't have to get to that point. But at the same time, like the gratitude I feel for finally clicking in, if that's what it took, I mean, still gives me goosebumps because that was for me, unfortunately, as far as it needed to go. But the fact that I survived is the thing I'm most grateful for. Wow. I can't believe that y'all made it. That's such a great story. I love that because like you, you think about the people that meet in early recovery. He's got some stories. I've got some oh, stories. Yeah. They don't always, end, but, but you can. And like, so my rehab, I loved also shout out choices. I talk about it all the time. I loved my rehab. It was amazing. I kept, I say, I kept going back. I liked it so much. Yeah, me too. Um, and, the owner, well, I was relapsing and going back, but yeah, <laughs> I got <laughs> same you. Thing. I got you. Um, <laughs> but the owner used to say that, and I, I'm not advocating for dating in early recovery or whatever, but the owner used to say that, you know, they say like, don't date for a year or whatever. Steve used to say, he would be like, that's not actually in the literature. Mm -hmm. Someone just like made that up at some point and then it got spread. And I'm not saying it's not necessarily a good idea to make sure that you know who you are, but like, 
that's an example of one of those things that, because there's such a big difference between the program of 12 step and the fellowship of people, right? right? And the program is like the steps and the principles and all those things. And then the fellowship can kind of like shift that sometimes and make up these rules. It's just like religion, right? Totally. There's like the Bible and the principles. And then there's the priests that make up the rules. And, and these are two different things. And again, I'm not necessarily advocating for that because I early on dated somebody I should not have been dating and it absolutely caused me to relapse. And then later I took my time more recently to this one. But I also, this time when I got clean, I met a guy who was like super about his program. He only Mm -hmm. had two months. I was still using and we're not still together. It's not my, it's not my husband that I'm with now, but he was very instrumental in me staying clean the first two years. He would like give me rides. He was going to meetings also. We were like enmeshed in the culture together. And it was actually like quite supportive, but that's a roll of the dice totally. if the person is going to relapse, which he ultimately did. But by mm. then I had two years and I was like, okay, you know what I mean? But yeah. that's such a beautiful story. I can't believe you guys stayed together. If you were in sober living for 13 months and she got pregnant when you were at six, mm-hmm. that means she was pregnant and you stayed in sober living until it was closed for the baby. Correct. Sounds like. That's exactly okay, right. All right. And just, okay. to, just to go on your point too, because I, I it is important to differentiate, right? Because we... I shouldn't say we, I, or the potential for other people can go into just, I mean, you have to work through a lot of shit, right? I mean, you are, we're raw, we're new, who knows what kind of traumas we're bringing into the relationship and everything. And we were both told hundred percent, like Melissa, my wife, Melissa was on her counselor at the IOP where she told her she needed to be on a man ban. You're on a man ban. Like don't date any men. Right. But the thing that made it work for us, exactly what you, we made recovery the focus of our relationship while we were together, our dates, we went to, we went to meetings, you know, our, we, we would sit in a car and just talk about recovery. Like, and we had this connection. So we both promised ourselves. I don't know if we would have done it, but if we had relapsed, we would, we would break it off. So we had these kind of boundaries set like recovery. We're not just going to get lost in each other and we're going to work through and we're going to feel each other out. And you know, the odds of it are slim, right? They're really slim, but I honestly like we can maybe get into this later, but I wasn't spiritual back then, but I'm deeply spiritual now. I had a spiritual awakening, you know, six years into my recovery. And I look back on that and I have no, I have zero doubt, zero doubt that that was the universe guiding us together. I just, I, there's, I, there's no way I could have known that deeply. And then us actually be together with children. Like I just knew. And so I feel like a lot of it was kind of like, you know, universally aligned as well. Right. Right. But I love what you just said because People are, there are people listening who have been married and they've separated and one of them is still using or they're both still using. And it doesn't really make sense for them to split. Like not always easy to do, right? You say like, don't date anybody. What if you're already married when you come in? What if you guys are using together and you have kids and you want to make it work? And so I think what you just said is actually real practical guidelines for people that want to make it work. Make your recovery the focus of the relationship. That's what my ex and I did. We went to We were involved in NA in North County and NA has like a lot of events and they would do like through the holidays, they have an event every night. It's called the 12 nights of NA. And like we would go to those on New Year's Eve. That was our date. We went to the NA night, right? Like it was definitely a part of what we did. We made it the focus in our relationship. And I think that that was why it was kind of successful. Ultimately that guy ended up relapsing, but, but then I was pretty stable. And I broke up with him immediately. And you look at it as a positive, like he helped, you know what I mean? You made this recovery. So yeah. 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 In fact, he's actually in, he's in jail right now doing a year because I like look him up sometimes and he got picked up again and I'm married now. So I'm not going to do this. Even though my husband wouldn't care. I actually, he'd probably say fine. But like, I sometimes still want to like 
even like write him in jail yeah, and be like, Hey, like, just so you know, I'm still fucking pulling for you so hard. You're one of the smartest men I ever met in my life. I'm where I am because you picked me up off the ground before anybody believed in me. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And again, like I had this whole come to Jesus moment internally where I was like, I wanted to reach out to him. And then I had to stop myself and I was like, regular wives don't email their (laughs) ex-boyfriends. Right. Right. That, that would be that would be like a, a drug kind of ratchety move. Yeah, Regular right. women don't do that. So I didn't. But like again, my husband is like the least jealous person. So ever. chill. He'd yeah. be like, go visit him. Yeah, totally. He would be like, cool. <laughs> you know how he is. He'd be like, Yeah, that's totally fine with me. Yeah, and it's your intention behind it too, right? Your intention is True. to share yeah. with him, like, you know, this is you did this for me. You are a huge part, and I just want totally. you to know I'm here. Yeah. I think that's great. But I think it it can work in those instances, you know? So are you a 12-step person? What type of recovery did you start doing? So I, I keep, let's just, without getting, to, I, I keep my anonymity a little bit, which should give your answer, okay, but I have, fine. no, no, but I'll, I'll get into a little bit. Like I am part of it. Yes, I am part of a 12-step program. And so, yeah, you know, that was, and to get into like what I think a lot of us struggle with, if you had told me that I I would have found recovery through a 12-step program with the talk of God and all that stuff, I think I would have said you're crazy, but when I was sitting there with my parents and I was, you know, sharing that moment through them, it was through looking at the 12 steps. And instead of basing and being closed minded to the idea of God, I was able to look at the program itself and the people who are a part of the program as a way of making those work because I was still an atheist. It was still very difficult for me, but I became open to the possibility. And what's interesting about it is you know, people would always tell me, everyone, you know, everyone talks. I mean, obviously it's the the prominent one you hear about in recovery homes and people who aren't in addiction know about 12 steps. And so everyone would tell me like, oh, just make your higher power a doorknob. Oh, just make your higher power a light bulb. You know what I mean? It doesn't matter what it is. And I was just like, I can't fucking, I can't fool myself like that. I'm not going to bullshit myself, you know? And what ended up happening is a very fluid, very organic, genuine way for me to look at the steps without being closed off to the God part of it. How did you navigate that? So mine was, I wanted what the people around me had. I saw how happy they were. I got a sponsor who was so fucking zen and so wise and so chill, (laughs) who wasn't preaching to me about God, who he himself wasn't sure what that looked like, but he had decades in recovery. And I was just like, I was just like, these are my people. Like these are totally. my people. This these are the people I wanted to hang out with when I'm using when I was using, but now they're not using. So they're even better now, you know? Like I wanted to chill with those people. I forget that sometimes, but that's how I felt too my first few years in NA around here. That's why I went back to that NA meeting a few weeks ago. Mm-hmm. I'd gotten away from it and gotten to a different fellowship. But like those people, I did want to be. I wanted to be like them and I wanted to have what they had. And my sponsor was super fucking zen. She's like the chillest mm-hmm. chick ever. She is my language, you know? Yeah. But I also think something else you said is really interesting. And I wonder if this was happening too, maybe even without you being aware of it. Nate and I had somebody on the podcast once, her name is Dr. Peg. And she talked about your higher power, all the things it can be, and it can be a higher version of you. Right. And it's not, you're making yourself your higher power, but you with a job, you not stealing the higher version of yourself, the goal-oriented version of you, that can be your focus. And that's kind of what you were asked about doing. You know what I mean? You were connecting to a higher version of you, which I think is such a beautiful thing. Yeah, I think you honestly really, I've never looked at it like that because 
you know, when I, I think that's right. You know, my breakthrough was the being able to connect to this version of me that was happy and, you know, doing all those things. I mean, that was the breakthrough. That's a really good point. I think that probably played a really big part in it, to be honest. Yeah. Well, because when you think about it, when you go through them, you can sub that out. So say we were taking, you know, homeless me, scabbed up, picked up, no job, who used to teach fitness and loved it. So, you know, step two, am I willing to believe that I could become an instructor again? Yeah, I am. I am. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Can I make my decisions in the pursuit of the girl that's teaching again? Yeah, I can. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So like you can kind of walk that through and just like a higher version of yourself can, can be that. Do you mind sharing? You said at six years in, you had a spiritual experience. Do you mind sharing what that was? Oh yeah. I love that. It's like, besides, you know, the most profound. Okay. So I'll just get into it because it's wild. So basically (laughs) I was an atheist for my whole life. Like I was the type of person who was very judgmental of people who believed in God. I thought they were stupid. I was very ignorant. Even though you were raised Mormon? Oh, yeah. Mormon? Probably because the reason yeah, why. Yeah, I, I mean, I just, yeah. I mean, I was falling asleep when I was a kid. I couldn't tell you like one verse from the Book of Mormon after going to church till I was 16. Like I just didn't. Interesting, yeah. I just didn't care. Okay. Now, without bagging, I don't want to dog too much on the Mormon religion though because I am grateful right. for some of the things it instilled in me. I just didn't believe in what they were, their message about God. That just wasn't, didn't resonate for me. And so I was an atheist, all this type of stuff, right? But then in around late December, early January of 20, late December of 2019, early 2020, so January, I was just like, all right, I, I should have been really happy. I should have been really happy. I had a job that paid really well. I was able to support my family. I had two beautiful children with another child just months away. I have my, my amazing wife, but I was so, I was just depressed and I couldn't figure out why. I couldn't figure out why. I just, I, I wasn't happy and I felt lost. A lot of things that were going on in the world made me felt really unjust and made me feel really uncomfortable with how the world operated. And I just would, I was really going down this kind of sadness. Nothing about and like trying to kill myself again. I wasn't, I wasn't there. I didn't, I haven't gotten back, gone back there, thank God since. But I was just really lost. And I was talking to my wife about it. And she's like, you know, Cody, people are, are really actually happy. Like people are happy because I couldn't relate. She's like, you, what you need to do is you need to search that out. You need to, you need to find people who are actually happy and like emulate it and see what, how are they happy? Like, and so I went, started going down, like, I don't want to call it a rabbit hole because that can kind of have a negative connotation, but essentially that's what it was on Instagram, trying to find accounts of people who looked happy, like, you know, influencers, but not fake influencers, like, you know, self-help influencers. Like, you know, I, I came across like Wim Hof and, and these other types of people, and I'd never heard about their stuff, but it was like, so I, st- and then I came across this account called Your New Frequency. She is this amazing person. Her name's Christina. We ended up becoming friends, basically bridging the gap between science and spirituality and, you know, the mystic and, and science. That's what I needed because I was so rational and so logical. And so her message really resonated with me. And through her account, I found another account called Vex King. And he wrote a book called Good Vibes, Good Life. It's all about you know, self-forgiveness and self-love. And that's the, that's the key to your happiness is your greatness is by finding a way to love yourself. And I started reading all these things and I started becoming open to the possibility of like vibrations and frequencies and all this shit that I was just like, would have thought I was foo-foo, like whatever. Right. And so I'm reading these things and I'm starting, the universe is kind of like presenting these things in front of me that are really resonating. And I was laying in bed with my wife after just reading Bex King's book. And I was like, wait, like, what if there is something more? 
what if I have been wrong this whole time? Like I've been blocking myself. And that openness put me into a deep spiritual awakening. Like I whooshed into it. Like it was oh, wild. Wow. So for like 10 or 11 days, my wife thought I had was potentially on drugs again because she had never seen me <laughs> so happy. Like she legit would be like, are you good? Like, I'm like, I have never fucking been better. Like I was, it was like I was levitating. It was so fucking wild. And so I started having all these synchronicities happen, like all these crazy things where it was like, let me tell you one really quick story from it. Yeah, because totally. This is how I came to find my purpose and a really crazy story that happened to me like this. So this is about three weeks into my spiritual awakening. I'm going to the gym and I go on the gym, the treadmill and I run on the gym, I on the treadmill. I'm vibing so high, right? Like, I can't believe that I was wrong. Like the universe <laughs> is talking to me. I keep seeing repeating numbers, like all the shit I just would have thought was crazy. <laughs> yeah. And so I'm running on the treadmill. I'm vibing high, right? And there's uh, exercise bikes in front of me to the left and they have a TV, they have TVs on them. And it's a few over from me. And this guy is on his bike and he keeps changing the fucking channel and I'm running and doing all this stuff. And I keep, I see it, but I don't think much of it. And I'm doing it for like five, six, seven, eight, nine minutes. I'm not really sure, but he just keeps changing the channel and I'm just like, fuck it. But eventually I decide I'm just going to, I look over like, why is this guy keep changing the channel? I look over and right when I look over, he stops on a channel and on text on the screen, it says the universe is talking to you. And then he <gasps> changes the channel again. I almost oh fell God. off of my treadmill. I was like, what? <laughs> the fuck that was the crazy all the times i could have looked over he just stops for a second when i look over it says the universe is talking to you and i just i got shook so then i'm sitting there on the trail i text my wife right away i'm like you're not gonna believe what just fucking happened to me so i'm getting <laughs> on the treadmill and i start hearing i've heard people talk about you know finding your purpose do something that you love blah 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 and so then while i'm running on the treadmill i'm like all right universe like what am I supposed to be doing? Like, what's my, what, am, what is my purpose? What's going to make me happy? How can I serve people? And it was just like, Poosh, you got to, you got to get into speaking. You got to do content creation and you got to do speaking. And it was clear as day because I, it had been something like speaking had always been something that I, I kind of wanted to do, but I never felt worthy of it or deserving. And I always worried what people would think of me. And I had learned through my awakening that I need to stop fucking caring about that shit. I need to listen what's bubbling up inside of me and what's what's calling me. And when it popped up, it was just like, that's it. That's what you're supposed to be doing. And so it was just like this whole crazy synchronistic adventure for like the first month of just getting my mind blown. And, you know, it's ebbed and flowed and I've gone back and, you know, despair every once in a while, but I've been able to always right. kind of come back and, and connect at some points. So... Wow, that's the coolest story. Yeah, will Will you repeat again? That's, a that's amazing. That's really cool. Yeah. You need this. <laughs> no, what, no, listen. No, what do you, he what, needs what, an experience. No, I mean, I, I want to bring you. I so I've had spiritual. I, I've had a few spiritual experiences. I mean, again, currently. In oh yeah, present. I haven't had a spiritual experience currently. Like I'm just kind of existing merely. Yeah, yeah um, I hear you. But dude. I remember, like, I remember when I first went to like refuge. You know what I mean? There had been some times, and I was like. Cause, cause I went through the same thing. I went through, I just seen, I, I'd seen a lot of fucked up shit in church and like still to this day, like I probably hate these people, honestly. Mm -hmm. And I wrote about it and all the shit that we do. And I still just hate people. They yeah. hate these people. But so I started doing refuge, you know, and, and there was times where like they would stop the meditations, the guided meditation. And like one time I'm like laying over on a guy that I know, thank God. And I was like, holy fuck, I was laying on you. I didn't even know I was laying on. <laughs> yeah. I just fell over meditating. And then another time, I came through and my whole body was like pulsing oh, and wow. vibrating. Like it was like my whole, you know how you feel when like your legs are asleep? Well, yeah, that yeah. was like my whole body, wow. but it was like 
but I was like warm and pulsating. I had and, that like, same I, thing I, happen. I didn't know where the fuck I was either. <laughs> you know, I like, came to you and it was like, it was like when you fall asleep, you know, yeah. and you wake up and you're like, what, 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 what the fuck? <laughs> and, and I was like, holy shit. And like, and I, I've seen like when I first started really diving into like purpose, like what I'm doing now, I see angels numbers every fucking day. Isn't I'm it not wild, dude? People. Yeah, I'm me either, dude. I'm still not one of those people. <laughs> me either. Still, but I would like see them all the fucking time. Like, and I have friends who are like really into that shit. I'm like, this is crazy because I would see them all every day, like multiple times. And I'm like, okay, maybe it's a coincidence. Maybe it's Maybelline, you know what I mean? I don't fucking know, but it's some weird shit going on, some weird juju. Yeah. What are angel numbers? It's just one, 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 two, so, two, two. It's yeah. repeating numbers. Yeah. And, and uh, Nate, I'm with you, dude. So even though it's like I had this spiritual awakening, I have like a lot of times where it'll be happening. I'm like, oh, it's just fucking coincidence. This is some foo foo shit. Like nobody really believes in it. So essentially, what they are is it's supposed to be a way for angels or, you know, a spirit guide or something to sp- share messages with you. Like, you know, if it's a repeating number, like 1111, like you're on the right path, like it's all these types of things. And what was weird about it is like, when I was first having my spiritual awakening, I listened to this random podcast about manifestation, which also was just like, to me, like the most ridiculous fucking thing. But now I've come to be a believer about that too. And it was talking about repeating numbers. I hadn't really heard that much about it. Right. After I listened to the podcast, the next day I'm driving around and literally, I mean, I'm not even kidding with you. Everywhere I looked, I saw 3333. Like it was on license plates. It was on bumper stickers. It was on watches. It was on clocks. It was on parking garages. Like it was the craziest experience. I'm like, wait, is this shit real? Like, I cannot believe that this is actually happening. It's so weird. That's really cool though. When you feel an alignment like that. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And I was going to say this too, the way he was describing that feeling. And if you're into Wim Hof, you're going to, you'll probably know this too. Cause that's right. I feel like we were talking earlier about the universal consciousness of like drug addicts, of which there probably is one. I feel like there's also obviously universal consciousness to people. And I feel like a bunch of people came across Wim Hof, breathwork and ice Yes. Yeah. And, and, you know, cold therapy in 2020 also, right as COVID was crashing into the ether, because that's when I discovered Wim Hof, cold work, breath work, all that kind of stuff. And that, that's why I was trying to get you connected with breath work. That's the feeling it elicits Mm -hmm, in me. mm -hmm. There's actually a breath place up in um, Carlsbad. I don't know if you've ever been to. Oh no, I haven't. It's called Breathe Degrees. It's the coolest place ever. And they do like a 45-minute breathwork session and then a cold plunge. And you will feel high. It's like the most spiritually connected. It's called Breathe Degrees? Breathe Degrees. I'll check it out. I'll check it out. And I have no affiliation with them. So free plug, Breathe Degrees. (laughs) I've talked about them before on here, actually. They're awesome. Oh, I love it. What were the two... What were the Instagram accounts that you that you mentioned? Just so people hear it a second time. The first one was called Your New Frequency. And her okay. name is Christina. She's a trained psychiatrist who okay. um, felt that something was lacking and she had herself had a huge spiritual awakening. And then the other one is called is Vex King. And okay. he is incredible. I mean, he's really um here, let me just show you something real quick. This is the book he wrote, It's Good Vibes, Good Life. This book okay. absolutely changed my life. Um, it was besides her and then me connecting to him. I, I was reading this book when I had the, had the whoosh moment. And so those were the two big ones for me. There's a lot more, but those were the ones that really um, were palatable, I guess, is the way for okay, me yeah. at the beginning. So. Right, right. Oh, that's so cool. So what does a day look like for you now in terms of, and I know every day probably isn't like this, especially with three kids, but like if you get to do your ideal day in terms of hitting all of your spiritual markers, like a, a morning routine, if you have one, yeah. a day routine, like 
what does that look like for you? So my, my morning routine on days when I'm really in my groove, which is every time I get in my groove is when I go back to doing it when I forget, but I wake up at 5 a.m. because I need to get up before the kids get up because it's all, it's all hell breaks loose, right? And so I, I get in, imagine. yeah, it's insane. It's insane. And there are I eight- can't handle my dog. Dude, I, I feel like such an idiot. Tank drives me crazy. <laughs> and I have the sweetest little pug and I'm like, he's a demon. <laughs> yeah. And my that's... mom's like, it's a good thing you didn't have kids. And I'm like, you're like, you're not supposed to say that. You should yeah. be wanting grandkids. Yeah, anyways, right? Okay, so you have three kids. So before they wake up, you get up at 5 a.m. 5 a.m. I got that from a book called The 5 a.m. Club, which is another thing I found from right at the beginning of my spiritual awakening by Robin Sharma, another great book. And so first thing I do is I do breath work. I do Wim Hof. That's the first thing I do. Okay. When After I do that, I do some push-ups, some type of you know light workout, something to get the, the blood going. And then I always meditate. And I meditate. I have a vision board. So you can't see it, but behind me, I have my own little nook area. It's got like a vision board on it. It's got candles. It's got all this stuff that I would have thought is insane if Cody was doing, you know, I never would have done this shit, but I connect (laughs) and and it depends on, you know, it's either, it can be a visualization meditation. It can be something to connect deeply, deeper to my spirituality, or it can just be silent. And so that's what it looks like then. And then, you know, what, a lot of times that does, it, it sets me up for success for the day. Oh, I also set intentions. Intentions are really important. Like I'm going to be, you know, I set the intention to, to spread love today. I set the intention to be more present with my kids. I fucking fail a lot of the times, but what matters is the awareness, right? And trying to come back to it and doing that. So that's my morning. And then all this stuff is going on, my content creation and speaking, I'm a stay-at-home dad as well. So my wife is, she works in a recovery home as a medical biller and coder. So getting the kids off to school, being present with my daughter, put her down for a nap, content create, emails to, you know, to to get my name out there to have hopefully get people for speaking and that type of stuff and lining up those types of things. And then picking up the kids, trying to stay present again, go exercise and, you know, just kind of try to live in in gratitude, right? And one of the reasons I'm so grateful that you you two were, you know, were willing to have me on or, you know, wanted to have me on is because it helps me, right? I come in here, I say a silent meditation to myself that, you know, I just, it's, this isn't about me. This is, I'm hoping that my message can connect with one other person, get out of my own head. But at the same time, I also want to soak in how far I've come, you know, because if I'm sharing my story, it allows me to remember. And that's one of the big benefits for me with TikTok. It's telling my stories on there. People will ask me sometimes, isn't this, you know, you're stuck in the past. Oh, you're, you know, doesn't this, does this, is this hard for you? I'm like, it's the opposite. Like, this is the most healing shit ever. Like, not only do I get to potentially help one person, but I get to remember how far I've come because I think, I mean, you have some time, Janine and, and, and Nate, I know you're, you're, I mean, are you over a year now or coming up on a year? I'm like at six months, six months. Six over months. Six months. Yeah, okay, yeah, but yeah, you yeah. know, you start even in six months, you know, you start getting that normalcy back in your life and it's easy to forget. You know, it's really easy to forget. Dude, that's so true. Like I recently started same thing. So, so we do this show, but then I started working with someone to get me out onto other shows. Right. Mm-hmm. And it, I did four this month and nice. telling my story again, same thing for me. It just reminds me how far I've come because like, you know, the minutia of the day to day, I've got like a lot of stress in my personal life and it feels overwhelming, but mm-hmm. it's not, it's not like when I was living in a doghouse, right? that was really yeah. overwhelming. Yeah. Or when I was, you know, I was, I was kicking heroin for the last time at a friend's house. I didn't even have like an ID. I had no idea where, I, you know, it, it does. It keeps me in gratitude as well. Mm-hmm. The meditations that you do, I want to get like really granular for the audience. Yeah. So Wim Hof, do you do, I know you can go on his Instagram his bio and mm-hmm. just go to the 11 minute breath 
work. Is that what you do? I go to his app. He has an app. app. Okay. Yeah. Okay. It's incredible. So if you want to, it has, and it's, it's, I mean, it's really cost, it's not expensive. I think it's like $4.99 a month and you have access to all of his videos, all of his practices, all of that type of stuff. And the other meditations that I'm really into right now is Gabby Bernstein, Gabrielle Bernstein. Yeah. Yeah. I lo- I absolutely love her. Like I reconnected to my spirit. I've known about her since my awakening, but my wife gets me two days away in a secluded place in Ranchita, California, where I can go just be with myself and connect. And I went through a real deep reconnection um, this past February of my spirituality while reading her book and listening to her okay. audiobooks. And okay. so I've really been devouring her stuff. So she has a lot of great meditations too. Are they just on her website? I know I've done some with her before. She's just got them. Uh, some of hers are on Spotify even too. I think yeah. if you just Google Gabby yeah. Bernstein guided meditation, they'll yep. pop up. She's very right. accessible. Okay. Totally. Yeah. She's very accessible. Yeah. Yes. And, and so what I've been doing is lately, cause I'm, I'm, I'm devouring her books right now. So each time I'm going through her book, you can do like, you know, Gabby Bernstein backslash super attractor resources. And so I'll kind of cycle through those meditations as well. So Uh, that's so cool to me that you're a stay at home dad too. I love that. Hardest. I mean, I tell you what, besides fucking kicking drugs, being a stay at home dad is the hardest shit I've ever done. I mean, it's, oh yeah. (laughs) I mean, I've been, I've been, you know, in, in hotel management, I've been a restaurant management. Those are very high stress, non-thankful jobs. And you know, I've never been broken like I have with kids because it's relentless, right. dude. I mean, I love them to death. Of course, that of doesn't course. need to be said, but right. it is the hardest thing I've ever done. I mean, I've, my wife has come home from work sometimes and I'm just like, what the fuck just happened today? <laughs> like, I have no clue like where I am, like what the hell happened? Because it's just like, you know, there's days when like the fucking stars are not aligning and all three right. kids are having the worst day possible. And it's for like 12 hours. And you're just like, fuck, dude, it's hard. (laughs) So your initial pain point, it sounds like, was not feeling like enough. Like you had to Mm -hmm. earn love. You had to earn laughter from people and be the funny guy. And alcohol afforded you that. Yep. Before your spiritual awakening in the initial six years or in now too, how have you managed those feelings without alcohol? Do you still feel like you have to earn love? Like do you know how you've worked through that to where that's not a go-to for you anymore? Because it's yeah. probably still a pain point, but or oh, maybe not. Oh, 100%. No, 100%. Absolutely. Those are things that I still deal with. I, I, I can tell you that, so my first six years in recovery, right? I worked through a lot of my shit. But the feeling unworthy, the having thinking that other people are better than me, the perception of someone's cooler than me, act a different way to get this person. It was still with me a hundred percent. It's still with me sometimes. These are deep, these are deep core issues, right? But in truthfully, the six years I had in recovery, recovery before my spiritual awakening, I don't know how much of that really healed at all. My life had gotten so much better. I definitely didn't hate myself at all. Like I did in my addiction. I still have issues with that, but it wasn't like that. But it was in my spiritual awakening. Like I needed something meaningful. I needed life to be meaningful. I needed there to be some type of purpose for me to even really want to go through that shit or even feel worthy of it. And the craziest thing about my spiritual awakening is I was not looking for spirituality. I just wanted to be happy. I mean, I did not go into it being like, oh, I'm, I want to, I want to have a spiritual awakening. I'm going to believe in the universe. I'm going to believe in source energy. Like none of that shit. Like I just wanted to, and it was like, I was guided. And so in my recovery for the first six years, I struggled deeply with shame and guilt for the things I did to people, the hurt I put people through. I struggled with, you know, self-loathing, all of that stuff. 
when I had my spiritual awakening, when I understood that there was, it was okay to love myself because I'm a human, I'm a spiritual being having a human experience, as they say, all of this stuff, this deeper meaning made my insides feel open to at least becoming, you know, open to self-forgiveness, to finding self-love. I Self-love was the most foreign concept. I could not understand how anybody could love themselves. Like telling myself I'm okay. Like if I fuck up to not be the biggest dick, like how can people not be dicks to themselves when they fuck up? Like you, you're an idiot. Like how, that was who, who I was. And to understand that it was like this belief system that I had about myself and that it wasn't necessarily true, like it actually probably wasn't true. That's when I started to be, do some real healing and started to find some real forgiveness for myself. Yeah, that makes sense to me because I still like I'm abstinent, but like my pain points around same thing, not feeling cool enough. I often feel left out of things with women in particular. I still feel that way all the time. I'm not picking up behind it, but I still feel that way. Yeah. And the times that I feel that way less are when I'm a little bit more spiritually aligned, you know, like that's that's totally true. You mentioned and I have a selfish reason for asking this. You mentioned stealing things from your ex's family. Mm hmm. Somebody recently stole from me, an addict. I'm really mad. Yeah. Did you, and it's and it's nice to remember, I did that too, right? And here you are, this like great man. You obviously feel really bad about it. Have you said any, have you made amends to them or said anything to them or to her? Or how did, how have you atoned for that if you have? So I sent a couple letters out because people didn't really want to talk to me and I didn't really hear anything back. My mom did come across my ex-wife's mom, who's one of the people that I, I broke in her home, and I'm really sad that her dad had passed away. And I was actually, I knew them pretty well, so I was really sad to hear that too. And they, my mom actually bumped into her, and she gave up to my mom and just gave my mom a big hug and was just basically, you know, I don't know if she necessarily said she was forgiven, that I was forgiven, but that she she's moving on, that it's okay. okay. And so right. that was a really, that was a really big uh, moment for me. It was really scary for me. Amends were really scary for me. They were not this, oh, I'm looking to get free type of shit. Like I was, I hated myself for the things I did. And I was scared to face the people that I hurt or to contact them because I selfishly didn't know, like, obviously I wanted them to forgive me and I didn't know if they were going to do that, but I didn't know where that would take me mentally either because I hated myself yeah. so much. Almost yeah. not knowing what they were going to say was allowing me to survive as opposed to getting this fuck you. I never wanted, you know, it, but all of that's ego shit, right? Like, I don't know how they're going to respond. Right. It's not about that, but that's what right. I, that's what I made it about. I also, for me too, there actually is someone that I've never, I, I owe my stepdad, Mike, who doesn't listen to the show, but my mom does. I owe him. I need to look him in the eye and say that like, I'm sorry. And thank you. Like I'm getting emotional about it right now. Yeah. And part of why I don't, is because I feel like I'm almost still in denial a little. Like, I don't even want to say it out loud. You know what I mean? Like, I don't even want to say it. So, and I'll, like, I'll get defensive if it comes up. And so for anyone listening, if there's an addict that has done something like that to you, like, even though I'm super mad at the person that stole from me, like, I'm literally remembering as I say this, like, I feel like it was almost like that's the most important one to me that I did. Like, it was, it's the one I regret the most. And I can't face it. Not yeah. yet. Still, yeah. at eight years. I no, will. I, I will, it. especially because he's getting older. I need to fucking say something. It's hard. He's older. It's hard. 80s. Yeah, like I've got to say something, you know? So I was just wondering, you know, how, how you approach that. Have you done any amends before? So I, I flew fucking home to make my amends. Okay. And like, yeah, no, I was, I Good was for scared. You. Yeah. yeah. yeah I, 
I was scared shitless because I was like, okay, I'm flying a couple thousand miles across the country. I don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. This could blow up in my fucking face. And also, I felt the same way. I was like, what if this doesn't go my way? You know what I mean? And it's more than likely might not go my way. Yeah. High probability. And I was like, this is fucked up. How did they go? No, they went great. Yeah, it went great. Yeah, I mean. Mine all have two, by the way, the ones I've made. Yeah. She was just cold. She wasn't mean. You're cold and distant. I I just didn't hear back from, I didn't, nothing bad happened from it. I just didn't hear back from them. Like nobody was like, fuck you, get out of my life. You right. know, so which so that is an important thing to say. Like, if anybody's thinking about giving amends or something, all of us were scared of it, but none of us had ones where everyone was like, "I'm going to send you to jail," or you know, like, <laughs> right? Yeah. Now that can happen. Yeah, I know, but didn't happen with me. How did yours go? I mean, what was your hardest amends? Can look, you tell oh, me? Oh God, fuck! Probably looking my dad in the eye, mm. like sitting there with him, and like you know, apologizing for like the lying, yeah. like. I brought bed bugs in, so I'd apologize for that. Yeah, I brought in bed bugs. They spent like thousands and thousands of dollars in their bed bugs. And I like they like blamed it on me and I freaked out on them and like pulled some like stupid yeah. shit, you know what I mean? Stormed out the house and they were like worried about me. Yeah. And then I had to like apologize to my aunt who was like there for it all through yeah. me. Like and like she looked me in the eye one time. She was like, I don't even know who the fuck you are. Or she didn't say fuck. She was like, I didn't I didn't know who you are anymore. And that like hurt. Yeah. Even though I was completely inebriated. Like I felt it in my heart yeah. and uh, I had to look her in the eyes and apologize for like selling drugs out the house, like the, all the sketchy people coming over. You yeah. know what I mean? Like I pulled a gun on somebody one time that, you know, yeah. like all that, and you know, cause I, she could have lost her home of course, because yeah. of my yeah. actions. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. And you know, all the, the sleepless nights that she had and that, yeah. that shit was like hard, like owning that I did that. Yeah. yeah. You know, cause I didn't want to look at that part of me. I didn't want to look in the yeah. mirror. Yeah. I didn't want to own that. Yeah. I was like, okay, we're, we're past that. Like we don't need to do that. Yeah. Let's I'm move not, on. Know. Let's not even yeah. talk yeah. about yeah. it again. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm clean yeah. now. Can but, we yeah. move on? Dude, I still pull that shit on my mom. I'll be complaining to her about someone in my life that's using and she'll try to float like, well, you know, you should be compassionate because you did that to me. And I'm like, I was, that was yeah. different. <laughs> yeah. I did that like last week. It's the same thing with forgiveness though. If you want to, if you want to be forgiven, you have to forgive. That doesn't mean yeah. you have to let it go. You, like, right. you set up boundaries or whatever, right. but it's yeah, like, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, totally. It's, it's, totally. It's, it's the same thing. Yeah. Know? No, I know. But that helps me to remember that. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So I'm not like in anger still, you know? It's tough, man. It's tough. I mean, revisiting some shit that we are, or at least I should say that I am deathly ashamed of and feel right. so much guilt about, that's hard. It's hard to yeah. do it. So when people, if people want to connect with you and find you and hire you to speak, because by the way, you are an amazing speaker. Like, oh, thank you. This has been amazing, right? Yeah, no, it's, you carry yourself yeah well this and, is yeah, great you, we're an hour you. in and you i do flow. not even feel like it's been an hour. well before i ask you that do you have anything that you want to oh ask? yeah so i so the um i don't have any questions okay re- really if i did i'd probably interrupted okay. um but <laughs> the thing the manifestation thing is like the oh thing, yeah yeah okay. because because hollywood mm-hmm. hollywood's the one i remember our, fr- I, our friend hollywood. our friend hollywood okay. i remember talking about he was like put sticky notes on his mirror and say it every morning. And I had this guy in group every fucking Monday called spiritual gangster Monday. And I'm like, this is the dumbest fucking shit ever. He made us meditate and shit and do all this fucking, this shit was just corny. I was like, bro, I'm not buying this. 
you know? But anyway, yeah. I started, I started to believe it. And he was like, Oh, you got to tell yourself positive affirmations in the mirror. So I started doing positive affirmations in the mirror. And I felt so fucking stupid mm-hmm. looking myself in the eye in the mirror and saying, <laughs> yeah. you're worthy. And did it, did it. I'm like, this is, I love it. you. Like, yeah. It's so lame. But anyway, the manifestation is so I was like, okay, I'm going to try this because I, I'm just going to see if it happens. And so I started doing it. And then I like, like, recorded myself saying i'm gonna do this 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 and this and this and then like four years later it all fucking happened i've heard and, that and, one. And, yeah. and, then, and then it happened like to a level that i never fucking expected yeah. and like every time i think about that i'm like holy shit yeah like words are powerful right yeah they are, are super powerful beyond powerful like yeah. you can literally speak stuff into existence and and i try to be careful with what i say now because words just carry so much power and yeah. energy. And I think that's why in the, in the four agreements, it talks about being impeccable with your words. Yeah. They're so powerful. Yeah. That we have no idea. Even that, with but. ourselves. Yeah. Even yeah. with ourselves, like, like how we talk to ourselves is so crucial and how we talk to other people because you can do so much damage with words or yeah. you can do so much good with them. Yeah. You know, yeah. And if you think about it too, it's also like, let's get the the manifestation part out of it and just think about it on like a, like a, on a general level, right? Like how do you, when you're talking shit about yourself, like how do you feel? And it's like, when you feel that, you know, that's impacting your body, right? Like, and once you start positive things, like, how do you feel? You know what I mean? So it's not, if you want to even just get, which I think manifestation and that stuff is super important, but just for a listener who's maybe having problems, just think about how they make you feel just on a, on a healthy level, on a energy level, you know, you can feel it in your body. You can feel it everywhere. Just those, that's the words are so important on so many different levels. Right. So even if you don't believe in the idea of manifestation, energetically, the, um, the immediate benefit of just speaking more positively yeah, about it ourselves, feels good. Right? Like that, but it's that hard right to get there. there. It is. It's it hard. Is. If somebody wanted to start manifesting something that was listening, what would you recommend as a way to manifest? Do you Ooh, have like a, a way that you do it? You mentioned I, your vision board. Yeah. So that's, I do, I do a lot of the things that you hear about. I do vision boards. Okay. So that's an important thing to me now for me to, to bring something into, you know, fruition or whatever. It has to be something that I believe is attainable. I can't just okay. yeah, like do something and then me just too. like keep saying it. Like I need to be able to, to believe it. Right. And I'll give you, I'll give you a a small example of something I believed that I manifested was, so I was on Instagram and I, I talked about how I thought I should be, you know, I felt like my purpose, I knew my purpose was to be a speaker. Right. So I'm trying to think about ways. How can I, how can I become a better speaker? How can I work this craft? Like I can go on YouTube and all this stuff, but what, what could be something a little bit more And it's going on. And then I followed this these people called, they're called Speaker Nation. And they have this guy named Eric Edmeads, who I think is one of the best speakers in the world. And they put, I started following him and they put a post up saying, hey, we're doing this thing called the One Talk Workshop. We're giving away one free ticket. It's such and such value. Enter your name and such. So I was just like, this is, I, I'm going to manifest this. This is going to happen. Like I just, I, this is aligned. This has been put in front of me for some reason. I put my name in it and I just let it go. But except I would come back to it as if it had already happened. Like, I'm getting it. Like, I get excited. Three days later, I won. I got it. <gasps> I mean, out of all these other people. And I got it. And so I got to spend three days with him and learn how to practice the craft of public speaking with this guy who I looked That's up to. It was so cool. And it was, it, but see, it was like one of those things where it was like, I had to believe it was going to happen because there's other things that I've tried to manifest, but I don't align with them. So it doesn't work. And then that frustrates me being like, well, I want this to fucking work. Right. So manifestation doesn't work because I wanted this. But then if I look at like, I need it to, to resonate with me and it needs to feel possible. And then 
that's kind of how I do it. I definitely am not like an expert manifester by Amy. I struggle with it. Even after getting that, I still have my logical mind being like, oh, that was just a coincidence. That wasn't manifestation. Yeah. It just worked out, you know? Right. So I, right. I, I, I'm, I'm a, a newbie at it too, but those are the times when I have seen things and they've worked. And I'm sure you're familiar with Joe Dispenza too. Yeah, Because totally. he talked about feeling the emotion of already having it. Yep. And I know that's key, talking about like vibrationally speaking, like feeling like, you know, I already have the thing. I think that that's how I ended up owning my studio. Oh yeah. None of that made any sense. Yeah. None of it made any sense. You know, my husband's a former felon, you know, we shouldn't have been able to get a commercial lease. We shouldn't have been able to own it. You know what I mean? I was homeless a few years before we bought mm-hmm. it, all that, but the whole time I was there, it felt like mine already. Oh, and yeah. I took, I wasn't manifesting the idea of, of owning it one day. I, that didn't even occur to me. But I took a lot of pride of ownership of the business itself, and I acted as though I owned it without that conscious thought, but I cared about it so much. I arrived as though I owned it. Like, you know, I invested so much energy in it, and that vibration was, it's almost like there was no other choice for it to be met. And I'm trying to do that with the podcast. You know what I mean? I'm trying to do that with the podcast. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, like there's no other option other than it being like, where I wanted to be. Do you know what I mean? So I'm trying to do that again because I know I did it with the studio. Totally. Yeah. No, I think that's awesome. Yeah. That's a really cool story. I think that's exactly what happened. You know, I saw real quick, there was a, this woman on TikTok and she was talking about how she started a clothing brand or whatever, and she wasn't getting much sales. So she decided to completely embody she believed in it so much that she was hugely popular, right? Like she got a warehouse space that was way too big for her. She didn't need that much space. You know, she did all of these things that were like, as she was talking about, like signal to the universe. She was ready. Like, this is it. And after she did all these things and she embodied it, she just talks and she shows like all of her sales and all of these things that took off. And it's because she said she knew that it was going to happen. She embodied it and did all these things, not to just like do them and see what happens. She's like, I feel like this has happened already and I'm going to make the actions and the steps that it has. And it was just really cool. She, you know, she showed all these receipts of things, you know, how her business has taken off and everything. I just thought it was really cool. That is really cool. That's awesome. I love that idea. Mm-hmm. You did that with your Narcan in the beginning. Oh yeah. Well, you just believed yeah, it. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. I just knew it was going to happen. Like I knew I was going to do all this. I knew it's what I wanted to do, right. but I didn't know how to do it. And then one thing left to another. And then I spoke it into existence and yeah. believed it. And then it just be kind of, that's came. how it works. Yeah. Yeah. And I, but I believed it. And I, but I also took actions to get, yeah. I took totally. action and then I got uncomfortable more than I wanted to, Yeah, you know, like public speaking and doing all these things and like doing all this shit in LA, you know what I mean? And meeting people, like I had to be, cause I had to meet people who were like rich and wealthy and yeah. made it in life. And I'm just like some random fucking dude from Tennessee from like <laughs> bump fuck Egypt. that can't talk right. You know what I mean? So that was like, that was insanely nerve wracking. You know what? I wonder if that's, I think that might be maybe a key like secret component to it is it also will probably require some discomfort because that Boy. shows that we've actually got the faith in it. Somebody told me once, or I read somewhere that your success in your business will be directly proportional to the number of uncomfortable conversations you're willing to have. Yeah, and I agree. At my business, I actually wasn't willing to have them that often. I knew that, like with my staff, I operated more in fear than not at, at my business. And I'm and I'm trying to do it different now. Right. I mean, my business ultimately was successful, but yeah, yeah, you know, I feel yeah. But you know what I mean? Like I I, you know, I did sell it. I'm I am not there anymore. And I definitely didn't do the, the uncomfortable conversations with staff. And so I'm trying to do it differently now. But what you just said is key. 
key. Cause like a lot of what I'm afraid to do with the podcast is like ask certain guests or totally. do you know what I mean? And so it's totally. like that therein shows a limitation of my actual belief on it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm the same way. My wife and I, we had a podcast. We still have one. We're kind of on a hiatus and, you know, very similar, you know, we started ours in 2019 and and it was the same thing. Like, what? Wh- where did we feel like our worth was? Like, with it, like we would talk. Should we reach out to this guest? Oh, they're not gonna. No, 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 no. You know what I mean? Right. Instead of just being totally. like, send the fucking email. Like, totally. what, if they say no or don't respond, then move on to the next. Like, uh, so right. I would. I was on the same way, and it was a lot of times too. Where it'd be like, oh, if you have time, it's okay to say no. You know what I mean? So I wasn't even exerting that. You know, totally. it was just all this yeah. questioning. Like, don't worry yeah. about it. And so. Yeah, I totally yeah. understand. We did, we ours was very similar of finding our worth and and moving past that like just do it, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's hard. I'm going to take this conversation with me on that. Good. So you should. You have a great yeah, podcast yeah. by the way, both of you. You oh, should. Thank you. No, I'm really serious. Like I'm really serious. Like you guys have a great message. I love like the theme of it is on point. I love, you know, that you guys have such amazing experience you guys. I, so I like let me just be over here reaffirm for both of you that you really should. Like hundred percent. Thank you so much. So we now this is really cool because this problem. If you search just like addiction or drugs, mm-hmm. we come up second behind. Oh, Joe. love That's it! That's crazy. That's crazy. Even Good if for you. it's from a phone that I'm not following the show on, because like it was on my phone, but I was like, mm, I follow the show. It knows <laughs> yeah. it's me. You're like yeah. algorithm and shit. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I asked a random kid I work with, kid, literally 18. I was like, give me your phone. I'm like, I know they don't follow the show, and I just searched drugs. Bam, love we're it. second. Addiction, we were second. And See? I was like, ah, it's moving. happening. You're moving. It is happening. Good for I know. you. Yeah, I know. Is that kind of cool? That's, I know. That's true. I didn't know that. I know. I me neither. And I was like, whoa, that's kind of scary, you know? I mean, it's not scary, but it's like, that's bit, you know? And enjoy the ride so. too, right? Like, just believe in yourself and enjoy the ride. Like, it's just like, once you see those things, you just... You know, one thing that's really hard for me is like that stuff will, something like that will happen, different example of that. And it'll feel so good. And I'll be, and then I'll get a little bit away from it and I'll start doubting myself again. Like I need that validation again. I haven't had it in a little while. And what's important that I've realized, and it's easier said than done, is just ride that momentum, right? Like that right there is good enough. That, that is validity for what you're looking for. Like that's growth. That's people finding you and just ride that, you know? Yeah. No, that's huge growth. That's huge mm-hmm. growth. That's a really big, you know, that's key. I just want to say also with all that comes with imposter syndrome. Yeah. Imposter syndrome does show up when you get like totally success or you do like you achieve what you wanted to achieve and you get there. Or maybe you get there and it goes to another level and et cetera, et cetera. And you're like, how did I get here? I'm not worthy. Like, yeah. it's just, it's so crazy because you feel like a fraud, you know what I mean? But yeah. it's like you did the work. But I don't know if you just like. It's something that you really wanted and it was like a dream or a passion and then you get it. And you're like, holy shit. You know, and that, that like sneaks up in the mind sometimes. Yeah. That definitely happened to me at the studio. Oh, I, yeah. I intimidated myself right on out of it. And now that I look back at it, I'm like, wow, I was doing such a good job. That was such a good brand with the Phoenix and everybody mm-hmm. loving it. Mm-hmm. We had our own half. You know what I mean? And I'm like, I really did a good job. I'm, I'm cool with how it went in the end. Yeah. But like, I you know, feel at yeah. the time I was like, I wasn't prepared for this at all. This was yeah. a huge mistake. You know? Yeah. But, that, that comes up too. Yeah. That's something that has to be addressed. So where can people find you and connect with you? So a uh, TikTok is my main. I love TikTok. I love storytelling and TikTok allows me to tell my stories on there. So just if you look at my name, just look up at Cody Kreutz, C-O-D-Y-K-R-E-U-T-Z. I'm on the same, I have a YouTube channel uh, as well and Instagram. You can find me on just looking on all those. And if you are interested in booking me to speak or just, you know, any anything along those lines, just go to my website, CodyKreutz.com. And there's a form there to fill out. I'd be happy to uh, collaborate. So just 
send me an email. Those are the those are the main spots. Okay, cool. Well, thank you so much for yeah, your time. You. Yeah, thank you so much. Thank this you. This was awesome. I really appreciate it. I had a great time. I had a great time. I just again, I haven't gotten it. Nate. I think what you're doing is incredible. Uh, my wife well, is in you. the re- my wife is in the recovery field, and Narcan has been um, far more difficult to get out to the community than it should be. And I think it's life saving work that you're doing. So that's fucking awesome. And Janine, of course, awesome. Thank you both so much for having me on. It's a real pleasure.